I've been waiting a long time for this. On talk, no shock. And now, from the Emerald City of Seattle, it's the Mike Cyber Radio Podcast. Your home for pop culture, transformers, independent artists, interviews, transformers, and stuff and things. Also, sometimes transformers. And now here he is, the guy who's high key lit fam, Mike Seibert. Thank you, and welcome back to Mike Seibert Radio. I am your host. If you'd like to get a hold of me, I am at Mike Seibert Radio. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Call the Mike Seibert Radio voicemail hotline. 231-224-MIKE. That's 231-224-6453. And right into the mailbag, Radio at gmail.com. And yes, I am back from Canada. They let me back into the country, and I have got some stuff to talk about. Uh, I've got a vacation to recap, and I know you've been waiting very patiently for my coverage of TFCon 2019. All that and more on this all-new episode of Mike Seibert Radio, but first, let's kick things off with some shout-outs. Shout it, shout it, shout it out So before I talk about anything else, I want to give a huge shout-out and huge thanks to producer Dave for stepping up to guest host uh, last week's show and chopping up my rambling mess into something coherent as I went through the Transformers fandom ask list questions. And uh, as a side note... I would definitely recommend that exercise for any other Transformers content creators, you know, podcasters, YouTubers, or 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 the like. Um, that was really fun, and you can check out that in episode number two twenty three back in your feeds. And I also want to thank Mickey for joining me for one last show. Uh, that was a lot of fun as well, and you can uh, find that on episode number two twenty two. Um, also, uh, since it has been a couple weeks since I've had the opportunity to chat with you live. Uh, a few things happened while I was gone on vacation besides uh, TFCon Toronto uh, that I haven't had the opportunity to talk about yet. Uh, first, uh, the full program list for Cybefest Northwest has now been released, detailing all of the contests, panels, raffles, and more. And I am excited to announce that I will be hosting my own panel called The Legacy of the Transformers The Movie. Um, it's a uh, the uh, or the uh, panel to uh, go to. Basically, I'm going to talk about why Transformers The Movie is so important to me, as well as Transformers fandom in general. Um, I'm going to share some trivia and talk about references to the movie and other pop culture. Plus, that panel will also be a live recording of the Mike Seibert Radio podcast. So there will be uh, an interactive segment, a Q&A, and, and whatever else we have uh, time to, uh, uh, whatever else we have time to uh, before they close the doors and kick us out because uh, my panel is basically going to be during the last hour of the show kind of closing out Cybefest uh, North west 2019 and and that's actually a really good spot because that is the same spot that the autopod decepticast uh held when they did their panel at tfcon chicago uh that i had the uh opportunity to be a part of so i figured
figured that this uh, uh, kind of kept with the tradition. Apparently, people that talk about Transformers the movie get to do the last panel of uh, of the day there. Uh, but I, I'm really excited because, like, my opening act will be none other than legendary voice actor David Kay. His big Q&A panel is going to be right before mine. And I'm not at all nervous. <laughs> uh, no, seriously, like like I keep saying, I'm really excited to be a part of the show and this convention. And honestly, it, it would mean the world to me if you can make it out to Sidefest Northwest. Uh, that will be this Saturday, July 27th at the Kent Commons Community Center, right across the street from the Showware Center. Uh, doors open at 11 a.m. for general admission, uh, 10 a.m. for those of you that uh, had the opportunity to pre-register, and the show runs until 5 p.m. Um, uh, lots of great activities. It's going to be a lot of fun. And be sure and listen to my next episode where I will be talking to a variety of really cool folks. They'll be doing some really cool stuff, uh, uh, things going on at Sidefest, including uh, Scott and his car that's actually Bumblebee, uh, Mahalo Mike and his blind bags and blue light specials, uh, Ryan, who's hosting a panel about his collection of various Transformers scripts, and the atomic mariachi robot himself, Magnus Von Braun, and you'll hear from all of them uh, during episode 225 uh, dropping later this week. So uh, look for that. Uh, for more information, including all of the different panels and contests and raffles and programs and, and stuff for the kiddos and activities and trivia and all of that other cool, fun stuff, um, as well as uh, um, some other uh, uh, printed, written artist interviews, uh, go follow Sidefest Northwest on their Facebook page and check out the website sidefestnw.com and a huge thanks to Aaron from Autopod Decepticast uh, speaking of uh, for the graphic design assist he uh, he made the banner uh, you've seen uh, for my panel that's been on my Facebook and Twitter uh, it was a huge help and because uh, like the announcement came you probably saw me tweeting and Facebooking about it, but the announcement came like when we were like neck deep in vacation and it's like, well, I, I'm on the road. I don't have my laptop. I don't really have any, uh, you know, uh, means or opportunity to whip up a banner. And let's all be honest and straight here. I, uh, I, I have uh, the graphic design uh, capabilities and skill of a partially thawed fish stick. So, uh, so of course I was going to reach out uh, to my buddy. Aaron because his stuff is on point um, anyway I I appreciate you homie that uh, that that really helps thank you um, also I, I want to uh, give huge ups to Gregor from 1077 the end uh, for having me on his podcast so you're from Seattle uh, I I talked about this a couple weeks ago we uh, we recorded it uh, before I went on vacation but episode 91 is available now in all of the same places you can hear this podcast uh, we talked a lot about uh, the upcoming Cybefest and and uh, Transformers fandom he asked me about uh, my time at KGRG it was a it was a really fun conversation really cool dude I, I really uh, enjoyed uh, my time there uh, getting to know him and uh, it was just really cool I and we uh, we got the opportunity to play around with Combiner Wars Devastator which um, I, I still need to figure out how to uh, connect with and get 
that item back to listener Nick, who generously lent that to me, uh, along with um, a handful of other uh, uh, third-party add-ons and figures. And I mean, it was like uh, my back seat was full of uh, cool Transformer stuff for for uh, for a few. Um, but anyway, he. Um, He's a huge fan of uh, Gregor's and and his stuff that he's as well as this stuff. But he, uh, you know, was super generous, uh, lent me those cool toys for us to mess around with on the radio as we were recording. Um, and like I said, all, all that other uh, cool goodies as well. Uh, Gregor also wrote a really cool blog to go with uh, with the podcast. Uh, lots of great photos. And you can find all of that at 1077theend.com. I'll have a link in the show notes now the other big news i wanted to talk about having nothing to do with transformers but having to do with independent music which is uh, uh something we like to do here on the podcast uh uh when we're not talking about transformers uh uh but that uh was a friend of the show lucia fasano uh launched the kickstarter uh for her new album best friend forever um i've talked about that a few times over the last uh couple months but now it's here and much like the lineup for Sidefest, dropped while I was on vacation. So, uh, so this is my uh, first opportunity talking about it. But basically, uh, this is your opportunity to pre-order uh, the new album. It's already done. Um, but basically, this is your opportunity to get it on a pre-order and help with uh, the production costs and get some really cool, fun uh, rewards along the way. Um, and check out the first two singles from the album, uh, Lose a Friend and Spend the Night, um, along Along with the recording of the live stream show that she did with uh, with the full band recently, uh, that Kickstarter runs until August sixth. That's a Thursday, uh, so there's still plenty of time to back that project from uh, when you're listening to this now. And check out her in-depth interview with Paste Magazine, uh, which also includes two, count them, two brand new music videos uh, for uh, for those two songs I just mentioned, Lose a Friend and Spend the Night, off of her album Best Friend Forever. And read the article to find out what Ghost Sandwich means. Coming up next, it's my recap of our vacation to Niagara Falls and the Toronto area and later it's my recap of TFCon Toronto 2019 with special guest Alpha Magnus but right now here's a sample of Lucia Fasano's music it's a show intro I recently commissioned for nobody's favorite Transformers adjacent podcast And now that's just stuck in my head. It's it's been rattling around for a few. It's 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 super catchy. I really like it. Um, and that um, alternate show intro will pop in and out from time to time. Uh, but I will add though 
that uh, having uh, Lucia Fasano write and perform an original song for you is one of the Kickstarter reward tiers uh, that you can check out. Um, anyhow, uh, speaking of fun times, uh, so I, um, so Lucky and I traveled to uh, Niagara Falls and the Toronto area ahead of TFCon, and I, I've told this story a couple different ways, and and I, I think as I've mentioned previously, it just kind of depends upon what company I'm in and how I want to describe it. Uh, so some folks I say, oh yeah, we're, we're going to TFCon. Other folks it's like, oh, we're going to vac- vacation at uh, Niagara Falls. And um, But the, the, the origin of that came from uh, me mentioning that I would like to go to TFCon uh, Toronto after, uh, you know, the, the great fun times that I had at TFCon Los Angeles uh, earlier this year. I didn't think I was going to do three TFCons in a row, but it was just like, you know what? I, we, uh, I, I think we were talking about that as recently as TFCon Chicago last year. Um, even with uh, the guys from Autopod Decepticast, it was like, hey, we, we, you know, want to do this thing in Toronto? Well, hey, I've never been to Canada before. You know, all all of those kinds of conversations, and it it was one of those things where this I I think was even more of a lock than the L.A. one because I didn't commit to going to TFCon L.A. until very late. Um, and you, you can hear me talk about that in, uh, in some of my, uh, previous, uh, recap episodes about that. But what happened was, is my wife, Lucky, she's, you know, um, and and huge shout out to her, by the way, because, uh, um, she's been, uh, as, as usual, when I have more content than I know what to do with, uh, she's, uh, she's great at just kind of, uh, settling me down and just like, well, well, Mike, what, what do you want to do? It's like, well, you know, if I put out five episodes at a time, it's not professional. Oh, if I, you know, I got to keep a schedule and, and I know this is all a big tangent, but it's, it's interesting as a content creator, when you find yourself with more content than you know what to do with and know how to appropriately schedule and that there's really no guidebook uh, for how to do it. So I run into that a lot where I'm just like, well, I want to do this right, but I don't really know how to do it. Um, and and Lucky's just always got the sage wisdom of, well, well what do you want to do? <laughs> not not what you should do, but what do you want to do? And that, um, that kind of helped me uh, uh, make some of the uh, decisions of how uh, the next couple episodes are going to go. So I, I always... Um, appreciate her insight on that and 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 with that she was the one that was like well you know why don't we just go on vacation you know we can strap a vacation to the front of this and uh, specifically with Niagara Falls it's a place that we've always wanted to go but never made the opportunity to it's and and for no particular reason you know it's just one of those things like all the years fly by and we realize oh we've never been to Niagara Falls so so long story short that's what we decided to do we made this uh, 10 day adventure uh, we flew out on the 4th of July and we returned uh, the uh, the evening of the 14th after 
uh, TFCon Toronto uh, closed out. So um, I do want to kind of talk about a few things and kind of summarize, um, not necessarily out of vanity or self-indulgence, but I have a couple uh, tips and tricks and and hard recommends uh, that that I did kind of want to uh, uh, share with folks. So um, and and I I know uh, sometimes I point to these episodes uh, with like family and friends that will be like, hey, how how was your vacation? And I'd be like, go listen to my podcast. Also listen to my podcast. <laughs> uh, but anyway, I, I, it's, it's just kind of like a tradition of, you know, me recapping vacation. So anyway, so we, um, we, we flew out on the fourth and our rationale for that was, well, on independence day, there's probably not a whole lot of folks, uh, traveling. People are probably where they're going to be already. You know, a 4th of July weekend is usually like one of the biggest travel uh, times of the year. But we thought on the actual holiday itself, um, it would be a good day to travel. And we were half right. Um, it wasn't any less busy than any other given day. It wasn't crazy like, you know, uh, uh, the weekends before or after. But. It, it was it was just basically like a Thursday afternoon at the airport. So, you know, kind of like average lines and things like that. So so that that didn't necessarily uh, backfire on us, but it didn't necessarily have the uh, uh, perhaps benefit we were looking for. Had plenty of time um, and that was all good. But um, so between the four and a half hour flight and the three hour time change, uh, it was like 10 o'clock at night by the time we got to our hotel in Niagara Falls. We um, we made a couple decisions with regards to how we traveled to Canada and and uh, history will have to decide if these were good choices or not. But we flew from Seattle straight into Toronto. We chose not to fly to Buffalo, New York, because we thought that because um, we would still have border crossing from the United States into Canada. Now, here in Washington state, you know, Canada is just like like a, a three or four wait, five hours. Four, four or five hour drive uh, north from from where we live, uh, just south of Seattle. Uh, but anyway, we, we've gone through uh, the border uh, in a car several times, enough times to know that we didn't necessarily want to do that. Um, we weren't going to rent a car and we were just going to, you know, kind of do uh, shuttles and Uber and other types of transportation. So we didn't we didn't want to cross ground basically and you know have having flown internationally previously you know airport customs seem to be um a little easier than uh ground crossing so that's what we did so we thought we would fly into toronto do customs there and then just uh um uh get a ride from the toronto airport to niagara falls which is about an hour away um, and again, the rationale being that if it takes an hour to go through ground customs and an hour to drive from, uh, Toronto airport, uh, Toronto Pearson airport to Niagara Falls, 
we thought we would just rather spend that hour moving. So it's kind of a push, kind of the same amount of time. But so we um, so we check into the hotel and it's uh, it's, you know, right there on the falls and it's Fourth of July. Right. So we get up to our room, pull the blinds back first. It's like, oh, there's a there's a majestic waterfall there under under dark of night. But every night they have uh, lights that so they light up the falls and in this case because it was fourth of july it was all uh, lit up in red white and blue so that that was majestic enough now niagara falls does fireworks shows i want to say every weekend night so i think like you know friday saturday uh sunday um i think they do that anyway but since it was fourth of uh july um Wait a sec. No, it, it was so it was a Thursday night. They weren't necessarily uh, shooting off fireworks on the Ontario side that we were staying on. But you can look across and see like this full panorama of all of these various uh, elaborate fireworks displays going off from the U.S. side. So all of these different uh, um, areas around New York and being 26 floors up in uh in our hotel it was pretty spectacular to where it's like you know i i had to this sounds dumb when i phrase it this way but i had to turn my head to kind of see the full panorama of all of these simultaneous fireworks uh shows going off it kind of reminds me of um like las vegas where like all of the casinos are blowing off fireworks at the same time for like New Year's or whatever. It was a, uh, it was pretty pretty magnificent and really was um, our our first introduction to uh, the uh, uh, majesty of Niagara Falls. Um, it was really hot and really humid when we were there. In fact, uh, once uh, the car dropped us off at the hotel. We didn't notice this at the airport, but getting out of the car in Niagara, you open up the, the door and you get hit with this wave of humidity. It reminded me of Florida that I guess that I guess East Coast humidity is a thing. But uh, yeah, you walk out and it just it just hits you like a wave. And and yeah, we were, you know, sticky and hot pretty much uh, throughout the whole trip. So um, it was it was sunny it was warm, um, yeah, way too hot on a on a couple few days, which um, which actually I'm gonna get into next. Uh, so we, uh, my wife and I, we, um, you know, it, we like to go on adventures and excursions and and things like that, and we especially enjoy going to tourist towns and doing. Well, quite frankly, tourist stuff. I mean, for for us, the kitschier the better. We we just we just kind of uh, dig on that scene. So um, we uh, we ended up doing a couple different uh, uh, guided VIP tours uh, that we arranged through uh, the hotel. And I guess that's kind of like my first tip is like you know. Um, it, it can be overwhelming trying to find stuff to do in a tourist town that you're going to. Uh, that's really what the hotel concierge is there for. It's like, hey, man, uh, do you uh, do you partner with, you know, local local tourist companies? And yeah, before we knew it, we had we had more stuff to do than we knew what to do with. So uh, basically one one of the tours was, um, you know, it was going to be a. 
Uh, you go on the boat ride in uh, in the falls. You go behind the falls, and you do uh, like this uh, this white water rapids uh, river walk thing. Uh, but from jump, and this actually ended up being the hottest day of um, of the run while we were there. Um, we ended up not doing a single one of our tours in order because basically. Uh, because of like the heat and other types of, uh, I, I guess misfortune, um, there was like this domino effect of delays and, and, uh, interesting stuff. So the first thing we were supposed to do is go to this, uh, um, uh, walk behind the falls. Uh, but the visitor center, uh, the, uh, fire alarm was going off. Um, so our tour guides like, well, we're not doing this. Let's go out to the, the the Whitewater Rapids. So you know he takes us down the road. We basically walk along the Niagara River and see you know like the 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 Class Six Rapids and all the white caps and and uh, you know get some history on that. Um, you know we we went to uh, lunch at. Uh, at at this uh, uh, visitor center place called the Hungry Moose, which we thought was very Canadian. That's where I got uh, some of those dill pickle chips and some of the uh, ketchup chips uh, that that I had the opportunity to um, enjoy later. We later went out to a uh, whirlpool uh, area uh, further up the river. Um, That was pretty cool, Um, and that kind of got us out and about just to kind of like see... Uh, just the the landscape of the greater uh, Niagara uh, tourist area. Um, uh, we went out to uh, this uh, floral clock, which is basically like a a, a landscape architecture clock that you know they they do various uh, plantings of uh, gorgeous landscaping and flowers at various types of the year, and it, and it's a clock. Um, saw, saw a bunch of the hydroelectric dams and I don't know, I, I, anytime I, I see a dam of any kind, I can't help but think of transformers because the, uh, (laughs) they're, uh, they're quite prevalent. Um, but the, the main thing that, that we were supposed to do was this, uh, horn blower cruise, which as I mentioned before is the, it's kind of like the, the, the marquee activity you know aside from like you know zip lining and and some of the other neat stuff but what had happened and this was just kind of like a weird calamity basically our driver uh dropped us off uh handed us off to a a, a plucky tour guide person and uh, and let me pause there for for a quick sec to uh, to make a weird observation the uh, uh, service industry in the town, uh, the tourist town of Niagara Falls, uh, seems to be staffed entirely by teenage girls. I mean, it's like everybody in every service position from uh, from uh, bar staff to wait staff to any, any kind of hospitality service type of thing, all teenage girls, uh, presumably on like, I don't know, summer vacation from school or whatever, to the point where it's like 
man, if anything were to happen to this uh, this area, um, you know, I, I fear for the future population of the Canadian people because this is where like all the girls are. Where are the boys? And we uh, we eventually found out later that apparently the boys are employed as like valets because like all of the valets were dudes. And all of the service people were girls. It was very, very odd. Uh, but anyway, I'm, I'm um, we uh, we get handed off to this uh, 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 tour guide girl, and basically, we're thinking because this is like a like a VIP tour. You know, we're driving around in a party bus. There's like 16 of us. We're all adults. No kids allowed. You know, it's it's one of those types of things. Um, so I guess that could be a tip for you as well is like, you know, be careful what kind of tours uh, you book um, because like, yeah, this was like specifically like adult oriented and granted we paid for the privilege. But um, but anyway, it was uh, <laughs> she dropped us off basically at the end of the line to get on this boat and. Um, I don't know if any of you have been to like, you know, theme parks, Disneyland, Disney World or whatever, but you kind of know when the line is a couple hours deep. Right. And that's kind of what this was. And we're like, wait a second. We've got VIP access because that that's part of it, too. It's like, you know, you get tickets to, uh, you know, these various attractions and the basically the your your bus driver slash tour guide is kind of your bouncer and they're like hey these are my vips off we go it's very similar to uh the 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 tours we went on when we were in china where you know we were in large groups and we just you know basically cut in front of everyone else it's, it's super rad uh but yeah so we're like in the line with like everybody else and it's like what is actually happening here uh and yeah long, long story short come to find out that the boat was shut down the line wasn't moving because they weren't doing any more boat launches and they have like two different boats and each boat holds like 700 people i mean they they can they can turn folk around real quick um, so we knew something was wrong. Meanwhile, it's like uh, 80 something degrees with like 80 percent humidity. We're, we're just we're we're just dying. Um, it was so bad. Um, uh, but anyway, yeah, we 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 found out later much later, like like the following day that there were like five different medical emergencies uh, that that happened um, on the boats. Uh, one of the elevators was down um, and that's that's what our VIP access was supposed to be is like, you know, we go down uh, this uh, this you know, special elevator, uh, the, uh, funicular that, that it's kind of like a inclining train, uh, that was also broken because of the heat. Um, and yeah, it, it was just, it, it, it was just crazy. And in those situations, nobody's telling you anything, right? So you're just sitting there in line, just being sweaty and gross. And eventually we just ditched, we called the tour guide and it's like, this is going nowhere, um, pick us up. We, we need to go to the next adventure. And that's, and that's, that's what we ended up doing. They, uh, we went to the, uh, uh, walk behind the falls and, uh, the Niagara's Fury. Now the Niagara Fury thing was kind of goofy. It was like this, like 4d movie thing. There's like a, 
wraparound 360 uh, projection screen. It's basically a movie, uh, but it it kind of simulates the the climate and conditions of the Niagara Falls. There's like water that sprays up and and uh, you know like there's a there's a platform that tilts and shakes. It's kind of like uh well it's like like a 4D movie, um but instead of having one screen that you're focused on, it's a 360 screen where you can just kind of look around in the in this round platform thing. It was a uh, it was really cool. So no boat ride for us, and um it it would it wouldn't be for another couple days. I think it wasn't until like Monday that we were actually able to uh, get out onto the boat. Now, uh, a couple things on that. Uh, first of all, um, if I have not mentioned this already, which I now realize that I haven't, Niagara Falls as a um, as a as a landmark, as like a wonder of the world, as a you know as a, as a whatever, is truly spectacular and is as magnificent and uh, transfixing as you would imagine it would be. Uh, I caught myself several times uh, when we were at our hotel just staring at the window, just uh, transfixed and mesmerized by just the the, the sheer force and power of uh, and, and majesty of of the falls. It's like, you know, the the example that keeps getting pointed out over and over is uh, uh Superman 2. And you know, all of that stuff was filmed uh on location and on the Canadian side. And which uh which incidentally uh, another side tangent, uh, uh got to give a huge uh shout out to uh buddy uh Jason Wiltshire who uh when I was talking to him at TFCon LA um, uh, shared with him that we were going on vacation and that we were going to check out Niagara Falls. And he gave me this hard recommend and told me stay on the Canadian side. Uh, because basically, um, that that's where everything that you associate with Niagara Falls from like movies and TV shows and what it's, it's all from the Canadian side. The difference between, the Canadian side and the American side of Niagara Falls is basically Niagara Falls, Ontario is a huge tourist town. There's hotels, restaurants, activities, stuff to do. And basically the the viewpoint to the falls is the sidewalk. I mean, it's like, you know, there's this this uh, set of railing that spans for several miles, and anywhere you go, there's your uh, majestic viewpoint of the falls. Whereas on the American side, it's as near as I can tell, because we didn't go, um, but as near as we can tell, it, it's closer to a state park. Like, from our room, we could see across... And we could see that there was kind of like a platform that you can kind of walk out and kind of check out a little bit. But then there was also kind of like a eyebrow of a curve with a rail that you can go out and check out. But beyond that, there was like uh, tons and tons of field and grass that looked like it led to some kind of building or or something. Anyway, it just it looked more like a, a state park than a um a tourist town it's more of a tourist attraction than a than a true tourist town so 
Um, another hard recommend and uh, tip from Mike Seibert Radio, stay on the Canadian side because that's got all the activities and all of the cool uh, stuff. But um, but anyway, to to wrap up this, uh, this, this first tour, we did what uh, what's called the uh, uh, journey behind the falls. And it's exactly what it sounds like. They they take you down like through these uh, caves. Uh, you you take an elevator like several hundred feet down, and basically what you do is you go to the bottom of the falls, and you've got your you know uh, plastic poncho like you're you're going to a Gallagher show, and it's it it, it it's magnificent because like you you walk out onto this little deck patio thing. Um, and there's some rickety old railing from, uh, you know, back in the day. And it's as close as you can get to the falls safely. Uh, I, I almost felt like I can put my arm out. In fact, I stuck my arm out enough to where I could feel, you know, the, the um, not necessarily the full power because that had tore my arm off. But, you know, just enough to where it gets wet. It felt, felt like a heavy rain. Uh, so I got that close uh, to kind of like the the, the spill off uh, from the falls there, and and you know what, them rain ponchos actually kind of held up pretty well. I was I was really kind of surprised. The only thing that was soaked on me was the the spots that weren't uh, covered with the poncho. Uh, but anyhow, that um, if there's any one activity I would recommend if you. Uh, have time or opportunity or whatever uh, for only a little bit of stuff at Niagara Falls, I would say definitely do the uh, uh, journey behind the falls or walk behind the falls. Um, I would say even more so than the boat. I mean, the, the Hornblower cruise was really cool when we got around to doing it. Um, and yeah, it was, it was spectacular. It was breathtaking, but there, there's something even more special because like, the boat only takes you so far. It doesn't take you as far in as the uh, as as the walk behind the falls. So if you really want to kind of get as humanly close as you can to just you know kind of uh, behold the majesty, I guess uh, you know uh, hyperbole much, but but yeah, I mean that that that's my hard recommend. Um, uh, later that evening, we uh, found our way to the casino. Uh, because we had been recommended by the hotel that the casino is actually a a good place to do currency exchange, um, and it is because like you can you know you can stick American money in the casino machine and it'll spit Canadian back out to you. Um, the exchange rate was okay. Um, it was like 27%, I think, and I, I think market was like 30. So, I mean, so the casino definitely gets a, gets a cut, but you definitely get a better uh, one-to-one exchange rate than, than what you would get um, from like, you know, uh, stores that, that say they accept, um, us currency. Um, and mostly when, whenever you can, uh, pay for stuff via credit card. I mean, that's kind of like, you know, first let the credit card company know that you're traveling. Uh, that's probably a good idea, but, um, uh, but yeah, no, uh, if you pay by credit card, then you will get 
whatever the best market rate is at the time of the transaction. So it's not even like a sliding scale or whatever. It's uh, um, That's actually the way to go. But if you do have to get cash and there's a casino, which incidentally, it was a uh, Vegas-style casino uh, with, you know, like a lot of games and machines that I was very familiar with. We uh, uh, found me some video poker that I could slow play. Uh uh, Lucky had a had a, a hit a pretty big jackpot on 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 a random slot machine she was playing, so much so to where and and this one weirded me out. Uh, basically, like so she won a jackpot, and the attendant comes out and they're like, "Oh, hold please, hold please." What are you talking about? The attendant leaves. Attendant comes back with a stack of bills and starts counting out cash, uh, for Lucky right then and there. No paperwork. Um, because apparently, uh, casinos in Canada are government run and, uh, uh, winnings are, um, are tax exempt. You don't have to pay taxes on winnings, uh, in Canada, which is interesting and weird and, and all of that. But yeah, I mean, the, the casinos experience was really cool. And, uh, one thing I found kind of, um, was that, uh, smoke free. You know, it was kind of nice because, like, I've I've done events recently uh, for work and and found myself in casinos recently where as soon as you walk in, you get hit with that that thick musk of of stale cigarettes and it's and it's kind of gross. Um, they had smoking areas as near as we can tell, but they looked like they were like double walled. Um, so it's like two sets of doors, like a man trap in the middle. It was um so, uh, good for those folks. But but anyway, that was um. That w- that was kind of like our our first day in a in a bit of a nutshell. Um, uh, after that, we went on a tour of uh, the wine country. Uh, they have a wine country uh, a town called Niagara on the Lake, and it's um, the thing that we noticed about the kind of greater Niagara Falls area actually kind of reminded us of the Pacific Northwest. Um, lots of green. Uh, lots of trees, lots of shrubs, and it, it really did feel like home. And and again, lots of like lakefront and waterfront. Um, again, stuff that we're accustomed to seeing. So it was kind of familiar landscape, just maybe a little different, maybe a little more Canadian. But uh, but yeah, it was the same thing. We you know went to the hotel lobby in the morning, uh, got hooked up with uh, with our tour guide, got on the party bus. There was about, I don't know, maybe uh, half a dozen other couples. Um, and yeah, we just tootled around to like five different wineries. And, you know, we're, we're just doing wine tasting or as as we like to call it, wine drinking. Um, you know, bought some stuff. It was uh, it was it, it was it was really cool. But kind of the and I've just now realized in my haste, I forgot to mention this also. Um Part of the or another component of our motivation for doing uh, Niagara Falls when we did why we chose that specific span of time ahead of TFCon is because of Lucky's birthday. That happened to be on the uh, first Sunday 
uh, that we were there, the uh, seventh, uh, seven, seven for those of you uh, uh, keeping score at home. Um, and for that day, we uh, uh, we we did like we like to do when when Lucky and I go to goofy uh, tourist towns. Um, there's this area of Niagara Falls called Clifton Hill. And basically, this is like the height of uh, tourist trap areas. It's like it, it's basically like um, I'm not an amusement park. That's that's not the right way of putting it. But there's like, you know, there's a giant Ferris wheel. There's a go kart track. There's mini golf courses. There's, uh, you know, a Ripley's Believe It or Not is there. There's. You know, all kinds of uh, uh, sideshows. There, there's touristy, uh, the, you know, there's like a Jimmy Buffett's Margaritaville and, you know, all of all of the trashy tourist stuff that you want to get from that type of town. Um, it's all there. So uh, we spent basically our, you know, the the better portion of our day and afternoon there. It was, uh, it was tons of fun. Uh, you know, like I mentioned, the Ferris wheel, there's one very similar uh, to that here in Seattle as well as uh, Las Vegas. I, I I think they buy these Ferris wheels at the same store because it, it felt like literally the same one. Um, but there was also uh, the Niagara Speedway. Now, this thing was dope. It was, uh, you know, and we had seen it on uh, Facebook and the Internet kind of uh, advertised as like a quote-unquote Mario Kart track. And it's not quite that you don't you don't get like turtle shells or anything goofy like that. But it's the first uh, go kart track that that we had driven on, and we likes our go karts, uh, where there was um, uh, corkscrew inclines and different levels. Like th- this was like uh, kind of like uh, like like a parking garage structure thing, where there's like one of the you know like a corkscrew inclines, a couple few hills. And um, when you're driving it, you don't you're not cognizant of what goes up must come down. So we're going up this corkscrew and then you get to the top of it and then you start to go down the other side. Now, after a couple laps and you start picking up speed, you get a little bit of air on that. It's like a jump. And I was like and it kind of. Uh, it it kind of startled me a little bit because I wasn't expecting it. I I should have because I you know was going up. Uh, but then yeah, you go down a pretty sharp hill and get some pretty decent speed on that. It's a pretty great track. Um, now I will say for hardcore go karters, of which we're not, we just like to drive little gas powered go karts for funsies. They're uh governed in a way to where you can't hurt yourself. Meaning like, you know, you can you can step on the pedal to the floor, but you'll only go so fast. It, it'll it'll top out. Even so, like um, a couple kids managed to get themselves T-boned and, uh, you know, we, we were driving around it and then suddenly all the carts stop. It, it, it was bonkers. Um, and so, yeah, so there's some kind of like master control kill switch to where it's yeah, it's. It's very much surveillance state go-karting, but man, the the again the corkscrew and the jump and just, you know, kind of like the the sheer joy of having a multi-level uh track 
again, was something we hadn't experienced before and thought was was really cool. And, you know, we did a bunch of other stuff. There was like, you know, like an arcade and, you know, like do like this this 4D movie and and some other weird stuff. But but I I did want to mention. So we, uh, you know, it's 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 a tourist town. Right. So um, inevitably, we found ourselves at the Hard Rock Cafe. Uh, we used to be huge hard rock folks back in the day. Actually, we still kind of are. We, you know, we'll go into a hard rock whenever we can. But I used to be hard rock T-shirt guy. You know, it'd be like, uh, hey, Mike, I'm going on vacation. What can I bring you back? Well, is there a hard rock? If there is, uh, go there, buy me a shirt. You know, um, or anytime we would travel, you know, oh, hey, there's a hard rock. You know, getting a shirt. I, uh... In my latter years, I've realized that I don't wear just, you know, screen T-shirts anymore. I uh, maybe because I'm an adult, I kind of prefer uh, uh, shirts with uh, buttons and collars, <laughs> um, but uh, unless it's a Transformers jersey. But uh, but yeah, no. Anyway, so I'm kind of retired from uh, getting hard rock shirts, but. We uh, we we posted up to the bar, got some appetizers and some drinks, and um, I I had had this experience a couple times on the trip where I can't get away from Transformers. Like like uh, you know at the arcade they had uh, you know a couple Transformers video games like that old uh, Human Alliance uh, game. I'm saying it's old. I had never seen it before, but uh, it was. Uh, uh, that thing will that thing will suck away your your credits real quick. Like, um, uh, but I digress. There was the like like a TGI Fridays in the uh, connected to the hotel we were at, and uh, they had uh, a little side arcade again with that that Transformers Human Alliance game as well as a Transformers pinball machine. So you know we'd had like these little uh, glances with Transformers that we couldn't get away from. Well, we're sitting at the bar. Um, TV's on and I, I, I'm looking at it and, and I'm embarrassed that I can, I could identify this movie as quickly as I did just from like, you know, like the, the, the opening cold open, uh, first couple shots, they were showing Transformers Revenge of the Fallen, which, um, I, again, I just thought that that was really bizarre. And I had a very interesting experience because one, I hate that movie. Sorry, Michael Andrews, love you to death, but I, I cannot stand that movie. But it was interesting because after you get out of the cold open with the aboriginal people and and it gets into the uh, the other cold open of the movie where, you know, it's, it's the assault on Shanghai. I'm watching this and I'm kind of like entertained by it. I'm like, oh, this seems kind of cool. There's like the the giant construction guy and. I, I couldn't help but fall for it a little bit. Like there there's the there's the scene where um you know like the other Autobots are engaging the Decepticons on the ground. Um uh Sideswipe, who is a Corvette for some reason, um uh, straight up murders a, a dude. Anyway, sorry, I'm I'm spending too much time on this, but what I found myself in kind of uh wonderment a little bit was uh there's this this there's this uh bomber cargo plane that has optimus prime in truck mode in it and i remembered and, you know i could almost do like the dialogue in my head even though i've only seen that movie uh twice um 
where it's like, oh, yes, tell them I'm coming. I am Optimus Prime. And, like, you know, they they just drop this giant Freightliner truck out of a plane, transforms into Optimus Prime, parachutes down, he lands, transforms back into a truck, and I'm like, yes, this is fucking rad. And I had forgotten that I actually really liked that sequence. Uh, but then after some actioning, then Optimus Prime just straight up murders that uh that that Decepticon dude. He was all, you know, crippled and and unarmed and all of that. And I'm like, oh, that's right. That's that's why I don't like this movie. And then it immediately smash cuts to um uh Shia LaBeouf. And then uh, Megan Fox getting getting Michael Bay's camera rammed up her ass. And then we're just we dealing with the parents. And I'm just like, check, please. No, I, I uh, <laughs> it didn't happen like that at all. But I it made me realize why I hate that movie so much, because I'm like, maybe this movie's going to be OK, because that that uh that that plane drop was pretty cool. Optimus Prime is pretty cool until he starts murdering people. Um, But. Anyway, I, I'm getting way, 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 way far afield. Um, our uh, bartender, our server, had a uh, tattoo of the uh, Maximals uh, symbol, the the Maximal sigil on on uh, on her arm, and I I. I I, I said like, well, hey, I, I can't help but notice your uh, tattoo that you're down with the Maximals. And um, I was like, and my wife um, kind of jumps in. She's like, do you know that there's a Transformers convention coming up next week? <laughs> so I, uh, um, I, I famously have no game. Um, my wife has all of the game and yeah, it was just, it was just pretty funny, but, but I just, I thought it was really weird that I can't get away from Transformers on, on this vacation, um, which was at that point a week away from, uh, from TFCon. Um, and you know, the, the folks at the, the hard rock were, were really sweet. They were just kind of asking what, what we were doing. She kind of casually drops that it's her birthday and in a real baller move that I haven't seen before, um, they waited until she excused herself, went to the restroom, and then they just uh, pull out this giant uh, birthday sundae for uh, for Lucky, which I, I thought that was really cool. You know, like ice cream and a sparkler. And, um, you know, you're in Canada when we're just sticking sparklers in food. And I, I, I just... Uh, I don't know. I just I, I just thought that was really cool. And, you know, we uh, we moved on. We did some uh, mini golf. Um, but the uh, what what ended up becoming the highlight of the evening. And I'm almost embarrassed to say the thing that we were kind of looking forward to the most was uh, our uh, hotel had a, a restaurant called the keg in it. Now, the keg steakhouse was a. Uh, staple that that Lucky and I went to all the time. There used to be a couple uh, very close to where we lived. We would go relatively often, and you know there there used to be several uh, throughout Western Washington State as well as um, other parts. And it was um, a place that her dad really liked. So that that was an area. I, I'm sorry that that was a, that was a restaurant that. We would get together with him and his wife um, occasionally. It was always just um, uh, 
you know, you sometimes find nostalgia in the weirdest places. And for us, the keg restaurant was always kind of like a a special place, kind of like a touchstone uh, type of thing. And so when we were hotel shopping for the trip, we saw that the Embassy Suites had a keg in it. And even like on the side of the hotel, they have a giant ass banner that spans, um, I would say, at least a dozen floors. Again, like a Vegas hotel. And it just says the keg. And I I remember the day that we found that um, I pointed to it. And I'm like, I'm like that one. We're going to stay there. <laughs> and that's and, and that's what we ended up doing. So so we planned it for her birthday that we had a uh, dinner at uh, the keg restaurant. And I should mention at this point that um, all of those keg restaurants that we talked about that I was just talking about uh, closed down. There is one keg restaurant left in the United States, I believe. I could be mistaken, but um, certainly in Western Washington and it and it's one that's like an hour away from us. Um, my aunt and uncle still get to go because they live in that area, but yeah, no, it's so, so the keg became kind of like this, uh, um, lost nostalgia type of thing. And we knew that Toronto was basically rotten with them. Um, so I don't know if their parent company is a Canadian company, but, but yeah, it was like, we, we saw like three of them as we were kind of, uh, bombing around the, the greater Toronto area. So, um, but anyway, that that was just kind of like a special thing that we that we did uh, for Lucky's birthday on Sunday. We had a dinner at the keg, and um, uh, timed it just right to where we, uh, you know, I mentioned fireworks earlier. We got to watch the fireworks, and that was uh, um, that was that was that was just really cool and um, uh, super special. Um, so like so like I mentioned, uh, the the following Monday, we uh, finally got out to ride on the hornblower boat uh hornblower cruises i believe it is that uh that was uh that was a lot of fun um but it that that ended up being boat day because the other uh cool excursion that we did was uh you remember that whirlpool area that i had mentioned earlier with like you know like the zip line in the adventure park uh we uh we took a ride on the jet boat and the jet boat was super cool. We we had done something very similar when we went to San Francisco. It was called the Rocket Boat. And basically what they did in San Francisco is like they kind of take you out into the middle of the bay and, you know, they crank up the music really loud and then they just kind of do a bunch of donuts and kind of like create a wake for the rocket boat to jump through. It sounds cheesy, but it was great fun. We really liked it. So as soon as we saw that there was a similar type of tour um, that, that went to the whirlpool on the Niagara river, uh, we totally had to do it and, and it did not disappoint. So they, they give you, not only do they give you, uh, the plastic poncho, like when you go on the hornblower cruise or the journey behind the falls, you know, we, we, we were like on our third or fourth poncho. We were, we were poncho pros, um, at that point, but, um, they also strap you into a life jacket, uh, because the boat goes very fast and as we discovered as we are going through uh, uh, class 5 rapids you get very wet very quickly and in a so much so to where they're like don't bring anything it's like cell phone it will not survive and we um, 
So basically what happens is the boat kind of goes uh, up and down through the rapids, but the 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 captain, the pilot, the driver or whatever, um, basically like the nose of the boat dips and like so like this overwhelming wave of water just washes over uh the front of the boat and it uh that water hits really hard and it is really cold and it was just like it was one of those things where it's like I was um immediately terrified but then after the the wave kind of dissipated and I could still feel the uh water squitching around in my shoes I was like that was awesome and yeah, I just I that 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 was a hell of a ride and and uh, a lot of fun. Um, no zip line this time. We uh, we were going to do it, but that day it was all uh, high winds, so we weren't able to do that. Um, but yeah, it was like you know we we learned the bus system, the we go. So we're we're getting on the bus and we're going everywhere, and uh, that was a lot of fun. Um, but then it was time to say goodbye to Niagara Falls, and we traveled to Mississauga, uh, home of the Hilton, home of TFCon Toronto uh, 2019. We uh, we actually pulled in there um, still several days before the con, uh, but we, we did all kinds of Toronto-related stuff. Like, we went out to the zoo, um, and this, this is mildly embarrassing, but it's I guess it's a, a it's a story worth sharing as a cautionary tale. Um, we went out to the Toronto Zoo because uh, when we went to China a couple years ago, one of the things we did not get out to was the zoo to see the pandas. We wanted to see the pandas because they're adorable. Um, and Lucky had seen on Facebook that the Toronto Zoo had pandas. So we go out to the Toronto Zoo to go see the pandas specifically. So we're we're kind of bombing around. We're looking at different stuff. It's like, oh, these are really cool, blah, blah, blah. Um, after a while, though, it's like, um, so where's the pandas? So we, so we stop, have, uh, have a couple slices of pizza pizza, and um, uh, Dr. Google tells me, that the uh, panda exhibit had ended uh, the previous March, you know, March of 2018. The uh, the pandas were on loan uh, from uh, from China, and that that exhibition had moved on to Calgary. And I was like, "Hey, Lucky, how um how do you feel about Calgary?" Um, so th- so that was kind of a bummer, and it was just one of those things where. Quite frankly, we just never thought to confirm. So if there if there's like a very specific thing that you want to see or want to do, might not be a bad idea to actually um, uh, double check to make sure that that um, that that exhibition is available. And it was it was super hot that day. Uh, again, really humid and just kind of like. Um, it, it, it was one of those things where it was so hot where like a lot of the animals were kind of like, you know, hiding under shelter and things like that. But I did see one thing uh, that I wanted to talk about. And and again, I, I think in my age, I'm fascinated by things that I could not care less about when I was young. One of the things like so they had uh, a couple uh, large tortoises, you know, the, these giant turtles. 
and uh, we just happened to come by where like a zookeeper was um, she she was I think she was feeding him like watermelon or something like that. But like she would put like these little chunks of fruit on a stick and hold it out for the tortoise to grab. Now, the tortoise is moving very, very slowly and I'm finding myself mesmerized by it's just like, you know, it's just very slowly lumbering and, you know, he just kind of very slowly, you know, extends his neck out and just snatches the 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 fruit off the stick very slowly and deliberately eats it and then takes another couple steps forward. I mean, I swear we were there for like 10 minutes. I am just like watching this. And in that time, he the this tortoise went maybe like, I don't know, a couple feet. Not very far, but it was just, uh, God, it was just endlessly fascinating. And, um, yeah, just, uh, I don't know how old, uh, the tortoise was, but, um, looked kind of old. So it was just, yeah, it was just one of those things. But, um, uh, but yeah, so <laughs> once we realized that there were no pandas to be had, we're we're going through the the zoo map trying to figure out what's uh what's there and we see that they have red pandas now i don't know if you uh if you're familiar with red pandas or not but basically they're i i i guess red pandas would be like a cross between like a raccoon a fox and a cat maybe i don't know because i mean they're I guess the the only thing that makes them pandas, quote unquote, is kind of like the 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 markings on their face are vaguely panda like. But here's the thing. They are adorable. We, uh, um, you know, like I, I, I've probably mentioned on the show or at least you've seen me post pictures. You know, we uh, we get raccoons in our backyard and. At this point, we've had like several generations come through. You know, it's like, you know, mama will bring her babies over and they'll like eat the dry cat food that we put out for them. They're super adorable. And, you know, they, they leave our trash alone and, you know, our, our cats are inside cats. So all is well there. I haven't heard anything from the neighbors uh, uh, saying that that's a problem. But anyway, um, so we, we go to this uh, red panda exhibit and we see one of them. And apparently red pandas especially don't like the heat. And I'm like, oh, he he's acting like how I feel because he was kind of like uh, scurrying under the shade and kind of going in and out of his enclosure. But just something about like, you know, his uh, uh, colorings and markings and stuff. I was just like, oh, I love him. Yeah, just very adorable. I, I, I think and I have not confirmed this, but I think. They actually have red pandas at a Woodland Park Zoo here in Seattle. So they're probably right here for me to go see. And I, I, I told Lucky just the other day, I'm like, well, if we have them, I'm going because I love them. <laughs> so um, anyway, so so we didn't get to see pandas at the Toronto Zoo, but we did get to see a red panda. Um, and then uh, um, after that, we did another uh, uh, charter commission tour uh this one of downtown toronto we went up into the cn tower which one of the things that that we learned is so uh the cn tower in downtown toronto uh kind of goes back and forth 
between that and the Burj Khalifa in Dubai as the largest building in the world. And it's like, well, wait a second. It either is or it isn't, right? Well, apparently, since the Burj Khalifa is built on sand in the desert, and depending upon the weather conditions, the height actually fluctuates and shifts, um, which is terrifying. Um, I, I don't think I can watch that Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol the same way ever again, where Tom Cruise is hanging off of the side there, because if it's like, you know, on sand and just ugh, anyway, it's just it's terrifying. And uh, the CN Tower is like it's uh, over 500 meters tall. I don't remember what that translates into in feet, but um, we have the Space Needle here in Seattle and it's pretty tall. Um, the, uh, the CN tower is basically the equivalent of three space needles stacked atop one another. And when you get up to the top into the observation area, you can tell because you have like this, this expansive panorama of the entire city of Toronto. And incidentally, Toronto is a huge city, uh, we were thinking that it was just going to be like this downtown core because like our tour guide was taking us through like the financial district and kind of like the hustling and bustling uh, stadium area uh, talked about the, the uh, stadium where the Raptors played and that there was like, you know um, you know, thousands of people and they were all rowdy when they won the championship, but yet nobody was arrested because everybody's super polite. Um, <laughs> that, that kind of thing. Um, but what we discovered is that uh, Toronto also kind of like sprawls because like we could see skyscraper style tall buildings way out of the downtown core where we were. So it's just like, well, what's that? Oh, well, that's Midtown. Well, what's that over there? Oh, that's uh, that's Uptown. OK. And yeah, it just it was just huge. And I um I didn't think that I was specifically afraid of heights or was prone to vertigo, but there, um, uh, there, there's a section in the CN tower that, um, uh, that has a glass floor. Um, in fact, there's two levels of it. There, there there's two floors of this observation deck. Uh, but anyway, you can go down it and you can look through the glass floor straight down. And I found myself as I was walking across it, looking down and unconsciously my knees start getting wobbly. It's like, Ooh, and you know, I've been up to the space needle before and never really had uh, that much of a problem, but something about the perspective of looking down through the, uh, um, uh, the glass floor, uh, was, was making me super triggered and giving me the jeebie heebies. And, um, and, I was telling this to a buddy at work and he was telling me that um, uh, there there's a similar situation at the Grand Canyon where you can walk across this bridge and it's all glass bottom and people will like collapse down and like crawl across it because they can't stand up because of like, you know, like the vertigo and the and the nerves and the and the wobbly knees and and all of that um, 
all that other stuff. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that that was a super cool tour. We went to the uh, St. Francis Market, which is probably the closest thing to the Pike Place Market that Toronto has. It's uh, We got to see all kinds of like, you know, cured meats. And we had, uh, oh, I forget what was it called, a uh, pea meal, pea meal bacon, which was basically ham. Uh, but it but it was uh, delicious on a sandwich. Um, uh, but yeah, no, it was it was I, I love those kind of indoor uh, market type things where you just get to see uh, just giant shanks and just like sides of beef and just like cases full of sweets. And I don't know, I just I, I, I really like that scene that uh, that that kind of stuff is uh, uh, really cool. We also did a. Uh, harbor cruise um, uh, from Toronto and basically what that does is it takes us from uh, the the mainland in downtown out through the uh, Toronto Islands which is also like another huge uh, uh, touristy area kind of kind of beachy there aren't really sand beaches uh, per se in Toronto but there but there's a lot of like waterfront type stuff which again you know being being from uh seattle it's it's very very similar we don't we don't have a lot of sandy beaches we've got some but uh but yeah so it was it was um yeah it was kind of like a peaceful little cruise we're just kind of like tootling along and waving to the locals and and the tourists as we go and that was a and that was really neat and uh, uh, we also went out to uh, Casa Loma, uh, which was this uh, this uh, huge castle um, uh, out there in the uh, outskirts of Toronto. Uh, lots of history there. But uh, one, one of the neat things about it was they, they film a lot of movies there, including some of them, their X-Men's. So uh, some of the interiors... Uh, for the X-Men movies were filmed at this uh, at this Casa Loma. Um, and it was interesting because like so you go through this certain part of the uh, of the castle and uh, it's conveniently right by the, the cafeteria and gift shop. But um, it, it has uh, movie posters of uh, various productions that have been made at the uh, um, at Casa Loma, including like uh, uh, during that uh, that streaming DC app uh, Titan show that that nobody watches, you know the uh, the, the the fuck Batman one. Um, apparently, uh, that doubles for Wayne Manor, both uh, on the exterior and the um, interior. But um, what I found was interesting uh, was the the movie posters that they had up was just for. X-Men, the first one from 2000, and then also from X-Men Apocalypse from, you know, like uh, uh, three, four years ago, whenever, whenever that movie came out. And I thought that was interesting because like those apparently and, and there's a plaque underneath that talks about like, you know, they filmed in the library and the atrium and the uh, and the conservatory. You know, it's like it's broken down by rooms as it correlates on the tour. Um but what I what I so those are the only times that the X-Men movies were filmed there were for those two. But what's interesting is I uh, and maybe this is a weird Mandela effect. I, I have to go back and watch the movie uh, just kind of being in that castle and kind of like the big great room type of thing. Um, it looks very much like 
you know, the inside of, uh, you know, the, the X mansion, uh, specifically there, there's like a second floor, uh, with a railing. And I remember looking up and seeing it and just with the way the ceilings and the railing was, I'm pretty sure that that, uh, was the same spot that Wolverine jumped off of in X2 uh, before he uh, PG-13 murdered all those uh, all those folks that had invaded the mansion, I was you know I pointed to Lucky. I'm like I'm pretty sure that's that's the rail that 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 Logan jumps off of. But no poster for X2, so I wonder if maybe the uh, production design team just took a bunch of photo reference of uh, Casa Loma and then just used that to set build and uh, and create and design those sets. I don't really know. Um, but it was interesting kind of walking through this hall of movie posters. Um, you know, like one that caught my eye was like the, uh, the Rocky horror picture show, not the original, uh, but the, uh, Fox version. Um, and I kind of want to go rewatch that now, see if I can identify, uh, some of those rooms in there. There was like a Jean-Claude Van Damme movie, like Maximum Risk or something like that as, as well as a bunch of other movies there. It's like, it's, um, so you won't know Casa Loma by name. Uh, but if there's, you know, like a spooky mansion, uh, in a movie, chances are it was either filmed there directly or in other ways, uh, uh, inspired uh, by it as well. So, um, so yeah, so that, that was kind of like our, our big tour of downtown Toronto. Now, uh, Mississauga is like, I don't know, I'd say maybe like a half hour away from, um, uh, downtown Toronto, maybe, maybe a little more. Um, uh, one, one of the drawbacks of doing things the way that we were, like I said, we didn't get a car, Man, we did a lot of Uber rides. Um, and that, uh, as of this recording, that credit card bill still has not posted yet. So I don't, I don't know how bad that was. But we, we rationalized it as, you know, we didn't want to rent a car because we thought we'd have to, like, you know, pay for parking and all of the other uh, um, challenges that come from having your own car. But... Uh, but yeah, some of those Uber rides were, were a little on the expensive side. Um, so, and, you know, and, and we, we got advice a few different ways about like, you know, using the public transit and things like that. And unlike in Niagara, you know, when we got used to the WeGo bus system pretty easily, yeah, the, the, the bus system in Mississauga kind of seemed, kind of seemed a little intimidating and we didn't quite frankly, we're lazy. Um, didn't take the opportunity to, uh, to fully figure it out because I know, uh, Daryl, uh, specifically from, uh, Cybertronian beast from, uh, transmissions podcast. Uh, you know, he, he was, and, and shout out to that guy because he was, he was, uh, given us, uh, you know, hints and tips and tricks and all kinds of, all kinds of cool stuff, um, uh, to do activities wise, some of which we actually ended up doing. Uh, but anyway, yeah, so he, uh, um, you know, w was trying to kind of get me on the subway and the transit and it just never take, uh, just never took. We just, uh, we just ended up doing, uh, doing a lot of Uber. Um, so yeah, so, um, so later on we, uh, went to the square one mall, um, in Mississauga, which is like the, the fifth largest, um, 
uh, mall in um, in North America, I believe, if I if I remember my stats correct. And it was huge. It was like, you know, a two story thing. And and something I forgot to research for this recording. We uh, we have a a two uh, two floor mall at home uh, called the uh, Bellevue Square Mall. And we're walking around and Lucky was asking me, you know, it's like, well, hey, is this uh, is this mall actually bigger than the, the Bellevue Square Mall? And we couldn't quite tell. I mean, I think it is because that has more anchored uh, department stores. Um, uh, the, the Square One Mall does. Um, but anyhow, yeah, it was... Uh, um, it was a pretty big mall. We, uh, you know, we found a, a couple uh, goodies there. Found finally found myself into a uh, shopper's drug mart to uh, take advantage of some of that uh, uh, Canadian cold medicine. I um, uh, lucky seems to think it was because like I I gulped down maybe one too many uh, uh, lungfuls of uh, uh, River Rapids water when we when we went out there. But I. I uh I picked up a bad case of con crud a week before the con. Um, you know, I just had like chest congestion, um, you know, sniffles, uh all you know, allergy related symptoms, uh body aches, headaches. Uh, I was there there was a couple times where I wasn't doing very well and I I remember posting about that and uh uh bono uh, at screams at stars uh you know was like oh well congratulations you're patient zero for tfcon um which you know she's not wrong so if uh if you ended up getting sick um after tfcon you're welcome um so i i kind of tried to you know tamp it down as much as i could but yeah man I, there there was there was a couple really rough days and i have to report you know, a week after uh, TFCon and a week after uh, we've returned home from vacation, Lucky's sick now. Or, I mean, I think she's just now getting over it because basically she's the Wolverine and just is functionally immortal. Like, when she gets sick, it, she'll she'll be sick for, like, three hours and she'll be like, I'm okay. Where Whereas with me, and, and guys are kind of this way in general, it's like, oh, I'm sick I I'm functionally useless, and yeah, I mean, I get I get really whiny and really useless when uh when I'm uh, uh when I'm sick. So anyway, so yeah, I kind of kind of got over that a little bit. We um also while we were uh at the mall, we uh went to the movies. Um uh we went to go see the Toy Story four, and I gotta say, uh, you know, I'm not gonna do a whole review here in the middle of this uh lengthy vacation recap TFCon recap podcast, but um it was good. Uh we liked it. Um it's it's odd because as satisfying as an ending as Toy Story Three is, Toy Story Four also has a satisfying ending so we have two satisfying endings um it, it's so it's it's odd um one of my biggest uh um trepidations going into toy story 4 is like well is this story necessary and i don't know that it is but i'm not going to say that it's not either because um it it takes a lot of the themes that it's you know built on in the other three movies, uh, a purpose, 
and relevance and, you know, your place in the world and your place in the world when the world moves on without you. And just, uh, you know, it's it's um, a level of existential dread that I wasn't sure I was looking for. Um, but it's, uh, it it was, it was pretty satisfying on the whole. I, I did feel like it was kind of a, uh, truncated or a distilled version of all three of the previous movies because it's like, wait a minute, I think I like this story better when it was told in Toy Story 1, or uh, I, I think I like this story better when it was told in Toy Story 2 and, you know, and so on and so forth. But, but again, it's, it's worth your time. It's uh, it's colorful. Um, it's um, the subject matter might. I, I I don't know if this is a great movie for the kiddos or not, because it's bright and colorful. But I mean, the themes get pretty dark at times, and um, I I wonder if this movie is more for forty somethings than the four year olds. I. Your mileage might vary. Uh, you know, send me a voicemail, uh, uh, 231-224-MIKE. Uh, let me know what you think, um, you know, a- after you've seen Toy Story 4, because I-, I would kind of like to unpack that at a at a different time. But I do have to say, I mean, a couple things. One, so there were previews shown, but you know how um, here in the United States we we have the MPAA, the Motion Picture Association of America. You know, with the with the green banner, or if you know if you're you're watching an R-rated movie, you get the occasional red band uh, trailer. Yeah, there's no bands. All of the trailers just start cold, and that was like that was super weird, and it was very odd uh to get used to it's still the same amount of trailers it's like a half a dozen of them but but yeah without that green banding to kind of you know um or even like describing the ratings you know it's like you know rated r or you know rated pg-13 for thematic peril or you know or or uh partial nudity or you know whatever you know it's like none of that stuff it's like it's just the trailer in fact i don't I didn't really do any looking into what the the Canadian rating system is for movies. Shoot. Um, but the other thing I, I wanted to mention, so I I only cried like three times throughout the the whole uh, uh, viewing of Toy Story 4. Uh, but like a lot of it was before the movie even started. It's like, yeah, it's like I cried like three times before the title card came up. And it was just these... Um, uh, commercials that they were running. One was like a a commercial for what ended up being like a oh I oh it was a supermarket. It was a, a grocery store, and it starts off with uh this uh uh kid and his grandpa, and they're out fishing. And it's like I mean this is a lengthy commercial. It's it's at least a couple minutes, and they're going through all of the trials and tribulations of learning how to fish, and you know uh the one that got away and all that, and it culminates with them going to the grocery store and just buying fish and coming home with it. And it was just like, I'm like, Oh buddy. I mean, it just, it just really, really kind of got me for some reason. And then that immediately follows up with a, um, another commercial. And I don't remember what this was for. Maybe it was for like, it was either like the local college or a movie theater chain or whatever. But there's, a um, it starts with this uh, teenage girl. She's out too late. 
uh, late at night uh, watching the movies. You know, she comes home, gets some static from uh, from mom from being out too late. She's got like a rumpled uh, ticket stub. Um, and turns out she uh, it's revealed that she used to go out to the movies with her uh, father, who is now passed away. And it's like, I'm already I'm already getting all all choking up all that. And um, so it's kind of like how like, you know, mother and daughter are kind of drifting. But like the daughter is still sneaking off to go do the movies. Anyway, daughter goes to go off to college and uh, mom presents her with this uh, beautifully framed uh, thing of like all of these rumpled ticket stubs and a picture of uh, daughter and her dad from when they went to go see the movie marathon. And it's just like, again, I don't even know what the product was, but, but I was like crying my eyes out. I was just like, it just, for some reason, just the one, two punch of those two commercials back to back really got to me. And then, and then, and then freaking toy story four starts. And yeah, it's just like, um, I'm not going to spoil anything about the movie, but the, uh, uh, the movie, uh, the way the events of the cold open of Toy Story 4 starts, it's just like, yeah, I'm just already, you know, I, I could just feel it rolling down the side of my face. I'm just like, uh, maybe, maybe it'll be okay. Um, I did not cry at the end of Toy Story 4 like I did at the end of Toy Story 3. Now, again, just to give you a baseline of what I do and do not cry at, I, uh, I didn't even cry when Wolverine died, but uh, but I did cry when uh, Andy gave his toys away. So that just to kind of give you a, a, a just kind of a baseline of uh, where I'm at. So, yeah, so we um, uh, we went to go see the movie um, and then uh, later we went out to this uh, yet another a uh, uh, fun uh, fun arcade exhibition thing called a uh, Palladium, which they also had uh, go karts and mini golf and arcade games, and and lots of fun was to be had. And um, shoot, after all that, that catches us up to um, uh, TFCon and. Uh, before uh, before uh, I bring in my guest Toby, uh, the last thing I wanted to mention is you know uh, there there was there was a version of this trip where Lucky was going to fly home before TFCon. Basically, like we were going to separate. Um, you know, she was going to get on a plane, go home, and leave me to TFCon weekend. Um, she. Uh, I, I I don't want to say she's a reluctant fan because that's that's unfair. She is down to clown. She she is down for anything. And she constantly has to remind me that I forget that sometimes because I do. I, I forget that, you know, all I got to say is I'm interested, you know, come do this thing with me. And she'll almost always uh, do it, but she hasn't traveled to any of the TF cons before, and we don't really do fan conventions uh, together. I, I I think I've talked about this previously, but um, uh, I I said, well, you know, uh, why don't you stay around? Um, I'd like you to meet my friends, you know, and I just kind of presented it that way, and this was 
This was a couple months before I realized that Aaron Ryan and Caleb were going to ditch out and not go to TFCon Toronto. Incidentally, you can find uh, the entirety of the Autopod Decepticast at TFCon DC, uh, October 25th through the 27th, uh, autopoddecepticast.com. But no, anyway, they... um, So... Um, there were tons of, uh, uh, friends that did go that I introduced her to. She sat through four different panels. You know, it's like, you know, the, the whole opening, uh, uh, sequences on Friday from the podcaster panel to the opening ceremony, um, you know, and, and through the, uh, charity auction. So she sat in there for a few hours on uh, on Friday night. Um, and then uh, Saturday morning, she sat through the entirety of the Ron Friedman panel with me. Got to hear that uh, uh, that uncomfortable Orson Welles story that you can read about in Ron Friedman's book. Uh, so I killed Optimus Prime. So sue me or I, I killed Optimus Prime, comma, so sue me. Uh, uh, his book out there on Amazon. Um, didn't uh, didn't get the opportunity to interview uh, uh, Mr. Friedman. I almost did, but the the timing didn't really align, and quite frankly, I didn't I I didn't push it too hard uh, because it's occurred to me that between the interview uh, that Aaron did. Of with Autopod Decepticast and the uh, uh, the panels that I've attended, I don't know if there's anything else that I mean I I don't know what other juice I can squeeze. Um, you know I would you know like for him to say like I I'd like I'd like to say hey Ron Friedman tell me a story about how uh, uh, writing Transformers the movie but knowing his persona the way I do now and having seen him do several panels and have him, uh, you know, watch several interviews. I have a, I I have a good feeling of how that conversation would go. And I don't think it would go in a way that I would like for lack of better term. So it's just like, you know what? It's fine. There's plenty of other material that I can enjoy and I don't necessarily need that feather in my cap. So, uh, but anyway, yeah, so Lucky hung around for that entire Ron Friedman panel. And then back to back right after that was Bob Budiansky's uh, panel uh, where he talked about uh, how he wrote all the tech specs, created, uh, um, uh, came up with almost all of the character names and their bios and wrote like 50 something uh, issues of the comic book. And yeah, so she got about maybe 10 minutes in and she's like, I'm going to the pool and, uh, and off she went. And, uh, so yeah, so I wandered the show floor and, and did all that. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's, uh, um, that, that's kind of how they went. We'll, we'll unpack more of that in a sec, but there were, there was two other, uh, random things about Canada. I'd like to remark on before, uh, before, uh, before we move on is, um, when you go to, uh, restaurants or no, I think it's just restaurants, but, um, uh, when here in United States, when you pay with a credit card, you, you get your restaurant bill, you put your card in the sleeve, the server takes it, they ring it in, they bring you back another receipt for you to add the tip and sign, and then you get your card back and you leave in Canada. 
this is the coolest thing ever. Um, the uh, They bring you your receipt, you review the receipt, and then when you are ready to pay out, you'd be like, bring me the machine. And the server will have like this handheld uh, card reader machine that, you know, you can either uh, tap or chip or slide or however you want to do your card transaction. You put in your card. It gives you a couple options, including putting in a tip either by amount or by percentage. It really kind of takes the overthinking and awkwardness out of it. Oh, incidentally, uh, tipping in Canada is not required, but is encouraged. So the way that, and it, and it took us a couple days to kind of land on it, but the way that Lucky and I played it is, I mean, we when we travel, we tip. It's it it's kind of our thing. We're we're overly generous. Like you know, uh, we when when we had dinner on her birthday, we ended up leaving a tip that was like almost half of the bill. Um, food is cheap. Um, in in a lot of restaurants, we we found. Um, kind of kind of like a weird proportion type thing. I think maybe it ends up on the other side in taxes, but but that's 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 a different conversation for a different time. But anyway, we, bring me the machine and you um and you just do the transaction right there. Uh they print it out, they you sign it and you're done. And the card, your card, your credit card never leaves your possession. And I just thought that that was pretty damn cool. And again, like I mentioned earlier, you know, try to pay for credit card uh, uh, whenever you can, because, you know, you're guaranteed to get like the best market exchange rate at that uh, at that point. So so there was that. Um, why we don't do that here in America, I, I do not understand because I think I think it's rad. It's convenient. It's fast. It's cool. It's secure. All of those things. Um, I also want to talk about Canadian money now. I have in my past been uh, very, very cheeky with regards to making fun of Canadian currency. You know, it's like, oh, you know, all of this coin money and, you know, oh, you know, their paper bills look like Monopoly money um, and all of that. But going to Canada now and looking at their Canadian money is really cool. Uh, first, it's it's like uh, more of a plastic material than than a paper material like uh, like U.S. dollars um, has a, has a cool feel to it where it feels different than just plastic. But, yeah, it has, I, I guess, what you would call like a money feel to it. Um, but because of its construction, it's very durable um, and the art is incredibly detailed. There's like all kinds of like cool holographics. Uh, there's there's clear strips that that makes it look really really cool, and um, but I guess the thing that really clinched it for me, and you know it's not a feature I need, but I I um, I I just think it's really cool. There's a there's braille at the top of the bill, so for folks that are you know uh, uh blind or you know otherwise impaired can you know folks that 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 can read and interpret braille know what bill is which you know it's like uh, i was talking to one of the uh uh artist vendors at tfcon 
And, you know, she she had mentioned like that scene in the Ray Charles movie, Ray, where, you know, it's like Ray uh, wanted to be paid in one dollar bills. So he knew he wasn't getting ripped off. Um, I also remember from that um, from that Ben Affleck Daredevil movie that nobody likes. I thought it was kind of OK. Uh, but I, I remember one of the things is like he folds the different denominations of bills different ways some are lengthwise some are some are uh crosswise and um you know so he would know which bill is which but yeah with the braille on there for the canadian dollars you know it takes all that out i so i i have turned around completely on canadian money i think i think it's really cool so uh i guess you can quote me on that and and the um the colors um, while it while it's very colorful, it it kind of makes sense. I mean, because at a glance you can tell a five from a ten, from a twenty, from a one hundred. You know, they're all very distinctive colors, and I I think what made me make the Monopoly money relate was older Canadian paper money uh, looked kind of like. I don't know. This sounds dumb, and you know, I'm sure my Canadian listeners are. I mean, they've been going nuts listening to the this this entire screed. But um, yeah, it was just kind of like you know, recolored American money. You know, it's like you know, same kind of style, but just with like instead of being uniform green, you know, it, it you'd have the different colors. Whereas with the colors being ramped up and throughout the entirety of the bill. I don't know. It just looks cooler. I again, I've I've turned around. I think I I think uh, current Canadian currency looks way cooler than uh, than modern American bills because, like, I think I mean I I I've ripped several bills in half uh, because of where the holographic strip is. You know, it's like I fold it and put it in my wallet. I pull it back out, get it snagged on something, ripping the bill in half. I mean, I'm just literally just destroying money, and it sucks. Anyway, um, coming up next, Alpha Magnus is my guest. Uh, this is Breadhenge with his guitar cover of Vince DiCola's Attack on the Shuttle, uh, originally written for the score of the Transformers the movie, but wasn't used in that film's final cut. You're listening to Mike Cybert Radio.
You've been listening to the Mike Seibert Radio Podcast. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by searching at Mike Seibert Radio. Email us at MikeSeibertRadio at gmail.com. The spelling on that, of course, is S-E-I-B-E-R-T. Call into the voicemail hotline at 231-224-MIKE. Once again, that's 231-224-6453. Special thanks to Michael Geisler for our theme music. For more like it, check out ByDoorMusic.com. This has been a Mike Seibert Radio Production.